2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, you want to stand for a few minutes before I get there? Because it'll take me a few minutes. I've got to get myself freed up first and uh, say a few funny things to help me out, all right? Whether it helps you out or not. <laughs> all right. Winston Churchill, every time he'd go in the presence of young people, he would do this. Someone asked him, said, why do you bow in the presence of young people? He said, I never know whose presence I'm standing in. No doubt the great potential in this room of missionaries that will change the world. Evangelists, preachers. Who will be a great benefit for the cause of Christ. I'm honored to be in your presence. Thankful for those who made my stay here uh, pleasant. It's enjoyable. A young little Indian brave one day was standing out in the desert and he was uh, doing his smoke signals. And he'd look over the horizon trying to see if anybody answered him. Two or three times, no answer. The third time he looks out and unbeknownst to him, about 500 miles away, they're checking an A-bomb out. So he looks and all of a sudden the earth shakes and that mushroom of smoke goes up and he said, I wish I'd have said that. <laughs> when I get through preaching today, I'm sure I'm going to walk away and say, I wish I'd have said that. <laughs> Something different. Uh, I'm a real redneck. I mean that. I, I went through one week of school at Tennessee Temple back in 1965. I mean, I passed all the courses. I'm a speed reader. And uh, <laughs> I, what happened, I'd, 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 I was raised in a very small town. I, I mean, they had more ushers in their church than we had people in our town back in 1965. That's the truth. So I go down to the school. I just start going to class and doing everything. And one, about five or six days later in chapel, one day they said, if there's a Garvin Walls here, see, see Cliff Robertson after, church, after the chapel services. So I go to his office and he says, uh, Mr. Walls, said, I see you've been taking test here in our school and you've been doing this and that, but he said, I've noticed you've never registered. <laughs> no, I said, I didn't come to register. I came to learn how to preach. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Fool you on that register stuff. <laughs> and I learned to come to preach. Amen. I didn't make it there very long, but uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure I've learned to preach yet either. We'll find that out in a few minutes, won't we? <laughs> we will. One more, then I'll read to you. I labor with this one. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but you know, when young people get to Bible school, they sign Bibles in their names, you know? And uh, these group of girls one time were freshmen and had asked to sign their Bibles and they would sign, I would not have you ignorant brethren. Didn't want any boys anything. They became a senior and they wasn't married and, or had a boyfriend. And they said, if any man will come after me, let him. <laughs> All right, we better start, hadn't we? We're going to get done. 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. amen. Now, therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And things that thou hast learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. 
Now therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. It may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. He may also strive for the magistrate, yet he's not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. Consider what I say unto you, the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even the bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. They may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It's a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Father, by the Spirit of God, make me a blessing to these people today. Honor yourself through us. We love you. You're a wonderful Savior. In Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Before us in our text this morning, we have a from us a man who's written nearly half the New Testament, giving his last words to his preacher boys. He'll soon meet his death and go on to glory to be with the Lord, of course. And in these final words he's going to say to them, I think it very amazing. I think it also admonishes us, particularly after being pastor for 54 years when people call you to the deathbed to give you their last words. They usually got something you better listen to or something important. I remember some years ago, I led a man to Christ and He'd worked on our building. He was a bricklayer. And I'd been, well, actually didn't leave him to Christ. But I'd, uh, his wife got sick. He asked me to go visit her. And I went to the intensive care unit to visit with her. And he said, she said, now preacher, when you do my funeral, I said, you tell my family not to live like I lived. And I did what she asked me. I gave an invitation. He got saved that day at the funeral. But nonetheless, people's last words sometimes are very pertinent and very, uh, very uh, important for us, of course. I'm going to give you four things I've this morning. First of all, from this text, uh, God's soldiers can expect battles. The Bible says in the verse 3 and 4, that therefore in your heart is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. We didn't come to go on a picnic, we come to fight. And you need to learn this, that in the, in the ministry you have, that you're going to have, that you're going to have some battles, some ups and downs, and the Christian life is not a cakewalk. There's oftentimes difficulties there that you face and you've got to learn to live through them. And you need to quit looking for the exit sign and look for the finish line. Too many Christians go down life just looking for a place to get off at, excuse to quit somewhere. That's an amazing story I tell. I do this at uh, different places that I preach. I want you to help me out just for a second. I'm not, this is not a trick question. This is a, a biblical question. How many spies went out to spy out the land? How many spies? Twelve. I want you to name me three of them. Are, they, are, they, are the others ones listed in the Bible? Sure they are. They're listed in the Bible. You know why you can't name three of them? Because ten of them were quitters. And I want to tell you something. You don't need to be a person that quits. You cannot give up in difficulties. You're going to have those, no doubt. There are certain things they don't cover in school. You're going to find out when you get where you're going. <laughs> but you've got to learn by the grace of God. He's able to help you. I can take so many stories there, but I want to get to everything preached this morning. I, some illustrations about difficult times, getting through those times. I was baptizing one Sunday morning, and I had two young men that had gotten saved. That this woman in our church had adopted them. And I had one of them in the water with me. The other one was standing up to my right. And 
I said, brother, we're glad that Carl is here this morning. We're glad he's getting baptized. And I'm talking about how wonderful it is. This woman's adopted him, got into the family. Look down, he's disappeared. He's on the water, he's swimming. So I grab him and I baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His little brother standing on the, on the side of the, of the baptistry, he says, is it my time preacher? I said, yes. He jumped in like a frog, just jumped in. I bet what I'm saying is we still baptize. And even in a difficult time, you still go ahead and do what you need to be done. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. First thing is, you got to know this, that God's soldiers can expect battle. Second thing is this, is God's word is not bound. Paul said, though I am bound, he said the word of God is not bound. That's a wonderful thing that we, we know that this morning, that God's word is powerful. Amen. It'll get the job done, will it not? That's why we're admonished, preach the word, be it in season, out of season. And just keep preaching away. Just keep preaching away. Just, just keep, come on, come say it again. Just keep, keep, keep preaching away. It'll get the job done. In the catacombs of, of Rome, in those uh, hundreds of years where millions give their life, someone said one of the most famous sayings in there was, the word of God is not bound. Uh, Ingersoll, Robert Ingersoll, with it, said, took a Bible one time and held it up and said, within 15 years, the Bible will be in the morgue. 15 years later, he was in the morgue and the word of God still lives on. John Bunyan arrested, at, you know, on, and wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He would preach and there was a wall there beside of his cell and he knew the people on the other side of the wall and even they could not see his face, he still preached because he believed this. He believed that God's word is not bound. And I can, I can tell you, I can't I can tell you the folks that uh, through, the, through the ministries of the 54 years I've been able to pastor, they would come and they would, they think they'd be too hard of a case to crack, so to say. And, and you just knew if they could just stay in church a few Sundays and give them the preaching word of God, go do something in their hearts and lives. And we see God do that constantly, continually doing that because the word of God is not bound. I, uh, some years ago, I had heard Johnny Pope preach on the white stone. And man, a lot, he preached that message and, and I thought, man, I'm going to preach that. I mean, that, that'll preach. You know, I don't know if you've preached ever used anybody else's sermons. If you don't, you're not wise. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have any of your own, that's not wise either. All right. <laughs> but so I get up this Sunday morning and I lay an egg big enough to hatch a dinosaur. Man, it was awful. Well, always when I get home, my wife and I, we go to the vehicle in our different vehicles to church because I go early and she comes a little later. But I always want to ask my wife how things went. Because if my wife is pleased with it, it don't matter what anybody else thinks about it. So I go home and she don't say anything for about five or ten minutes. And I said, well, I'm going to have to ask her. I said, well, how did I do this morning? She said, well, it wasn't one of your finest moments. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, that was bad. And I felt so discouraged. Here's the thing about it, though. When I mess up on Sunday morning, I know I've got Sunday night coming. Amen. In other words, God not down. And we've been, on, we've been on television for 35 years in our little area where we are. And we're two weeks two week delayed. And that morning when I preached on the white stone, I gave out white stones to everyone that was there so they could have them, you know, as a, try to remember the sermon and need something, no doubt. <laughs> but about on, the, on a Monday morning, two weeks past that, a family named Carmack's called me, Bobby Wilma Carmack. And their, his sister-in-law had taken him one of those white stones sometime after I preached the sermon and told him about the message, evidently. But he heard the sermon on, on, on television. And he said, Pastor, said, uh, my wife and I just heard your sermon yesterday on television and said, we'd like to get saved. And they're in their 60s. We go to their home. They get saved. They get baptized. I just preached to her funeral probably about uh, six, six uh, months ago. He still comes to church on Sunday. You see, the word of God's not bound. 
And there may be times when you feel like you're abound. There are times when you're trying to deliver it, you feel like you're stumbling and hurting. But I want to tell you, God's word is still powerful. God's word's not bound. Some uh, years ago, a few years ago, maybe five or six on a Sunday night, we were having services, of course, and there was a disturbance over on my left and uh, someone came and got, got me and said, Pastor, we've got two Jehovah Witnesses over here and said they're uh, trying to cause some trouble. And I said, I'll be right over there. And I went over there and I said, would you all step back to my office, please? They stepped back into my office. And uh, I, said, uh, I said to them, I said, now you're welcome to come to our church. But I said, you're not welcome to spread your doctrine or your, your, uh, what, you're, what you're spreading here. You're not welcome to do that, but you're welcome to come to our church. I said, matter of fact, you wouldn't have a Bible except in 1951, you, the Watchtower Bible had to change its wording. They changed the wording. It used to read what ours did in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. They had to change it to was a God. They had to change it because they, they were teaching the very things we taught. And so the man sitting there to me said, well, pastor, it, said, it doesn't matter if it's the God or a God. And I said, I'll tell you what. I don't think your wife is a theologian. But I said, I'm going to let your wife decide if it matters. I said, you want to be a wife or the wife? some reason they got up and walked out. Because <laughs> the word of God is powerful. Man, I wish I could tell you so many stories about that. I, I'll be done before my time. I'm, I assure you of that. But uh, I just wish I could say some more about that. But right now, Mount Pisgah Baptist Church has been printing uh, for 47 years. We've printed over 21 million copies of the word of God. There's 20,000 of those Bibles, whole Bibles right now on their way to a guy that you all know, Rick Martin. We're shipping him 20,000 whole Bibles. They'll, they'll get there within the next uh, probably six to seven weeks. I'm amazed. It takes some time to ship them there. Something amazing we've been able to do. We've been able to get uh, nearly 20,000 Bibles into Cuba. And, and the way, we, way that happens is just, just amazing what God's let us do there. And if you can, you can imagine even this, we have 329,000 we shipped last, last year to, to go into North Korea. And it's amazing how those get in there. And I can't, can't tell, will not tell you about that. And then this year we're sending 250,000 more to North Korea. And then we're sending 500,000 this year to Venezuela. Because these people have never heard of the God. They have nothing. They have nothing. If you've ever gone there and you ever placed the, a copy of the Word of God in one of them's hand and watch them weep. We gave out uh, 1,200 to 1,200 Russian military personnel that was on five military bases in Germany before the wall came down. We couldn't go on the base, but all we had to do was get one man off the base, give him a Bible. He'd go on the base and they'd empty to us. And they'd take it and they'd go like this. Put it in their bosom and carry it away. I'm just telling you something. There's power in the Word of God. And what I want to do with all you preacher boys starting churches. And uh, I want to, when you leave here, you go out, if you go to a mission field, we, we print 23 different languages. And if, you, if we don't have your language, we can get it from somewhere else because of the connections we have. I want to give you at least 5,000 personalized ones with the name of your church, your name on them, the time of your services, give them to you so you can pass them out in your community. And, uh, it, and, it just become, and I want to do that for you. And they'll, they'll give you information where you can get in touch with me and things like that. That's something I want to do. I just want to do that for you. Hope that'll be a joy, a help to you. Two things I said. God's soldiers can expect uh, battles. God's scripture is not bound. Third thing I want to tell you is God's son's not buried. He said he's risen from the dead according to my gospel. 
It's enough to make a Baptist smile on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, uh, two people caught it. I found the rest of you finally did. <laughs> to just know we serve a live, risen Savior. He's in the world today. He's not buried. Amen. Every day, you've got to remember that. Every battle you face, Christ is risen. Every sickness that you endure, Christ is risen. Every heartache, Christ is risen. Every time you visit the funeral home, Christ is risen. Every time the task seems impossible and the test seems unwanted, <laughs> Christ is risen. If your loved one's passed away, Christ is risen. If your parents are divorced, Christ is still risen. If your family's walked out on you, Christ hasn't. He's still risen. If your living quarters is a 100-watt light bulb and your grass is tile flooring, Christ is still risen. If you cannot see the sunrise with your eyes, Christ is still risen. If you're a seventh-year freshman, <laughs> Christ is still risen. <laughs> That's good news for some of you, isn't it? <laughs> if your grades are failing, Christ isn't. If your financial, being the financial needs seems difficulty, remember Christ is still risen. Amen? Amen. He's a wonderful Savior. I highly recommend him. I think you know him, don't you? Here's the last thing. But don't get your shoes on. I've got three long stories. <laughs> God's soldiers can expect battles. God's scriptures are not bound. God's son's not buried, buried. God's servants don't have to be bitter. He said, we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. For our two new people live with bitterness in their hearts and lives because something's happened to them or someone they've loved, it's happened. I've just got some stories I'll tell you then. I'll be through. About three years ago, I went to the doctor for a physical and uh, just a normal physical I've outlived all my folks. Most of my people die around 60. I'm 76 years of age. And thank you. I know I don't look that old, and I want to thank you for that. But don't tell me how old I look. I won't thank you for that. And uh, I'd gone home, and I was uh, sitting around the house, and the phone rang. The doctor said, I need you to come back in. He said, bring your wife with you. And I go back in, and he says, you need to go see an oncologist. He said, there's something unusual about your blood work. And I go see a urologist, actually. And uh, he says, uh, according to what the doctor thinks, he said, You've, we think you have cancer, prostate cancer. He said, I'll do some testing on you. And he did some testing and different things and uh, found out that I had cancer. And he recommended I have surgery immediately. He said, you have an aggressive kind and said it uh, can be very harmful to you. And I said, I'd like to take a couple of days and just uh, give it a thought. Of course, it crushed me, to be honest with you. I didn't sit there like a real brave man and say, bring it on. You know, I was, I would just crush my wife and I both. So I went away and I studied a couple of things about what was be some procedures for, for uh, treatment. And I decided to take a proton therapy. And I did that. I had 39 radiation treatments and hormone shots for a long period of time. And uh, I asked the doctor, I said, now, doctor, taking these radiation treatments, I said there's got to be some side effect. He said, yes. He said, you're going to be very tired and you're going to be very weak and won't be able to do a lot of things. And I said, I said, that's good. He said, what do you mean? I said, 
Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. In all those two years of shots and treatments I had one day, I couldn't go. That's it. Just one. And then I said, what about the side effects from the hormone shots? And they said, well, you're going to have hot flashes. He said, I said, well, let me. And I said, well, he means that you're going to say things that you probably would normally say. I said, well, that's good. He said, what do you mean? I said, I've got some folks I've been wanting to tell off for a long time. <laughs> I can tell them off and blame it on the, doc, on the medicine. Amen. <laughs> so, so sometimes when I'm preaching in church, doctor, and get to preaching a bit hard about sin, they'll say, it's the medicine, it's the medicine. We're not able to be overcomers. And God gave us great grace through that. He's a wonderful Savior. Lean upon Him. I have five children. All of them are boys, but three. Y'all are slow out here. Come on. I have 12 grandchildren. And... Uh, Many times I have an exercise room where I go. And <laughs> I joined this health club uh, to help you lose weight in January. Guess how much I lost? $150. Are we having a good time yet? All right, good, good. I'm out in the exercise room. This little, I have a three-year-old granddaughter named name of Reagan and she comes in my exercise room and she starts pulling this five gallon uh, uh, jug of water out of my out of the room five and you know for five gallon jug you know, that's heavy and she's just three years of age she's pulling I said what are you doing Reagan she didn't say anything what are you doing she wouldn't say anything she pulls that thing out of the door off of in, on, on the ground about that high and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm getting water for Gigi. And my wife had sent her to the shed to get her a bottle of water. But all she saw was that big one. And she said that. It don't take much to get me crying. And I started crying. And the Lord said, that's just like you. He said, you're carrying far too much and I want you to. Won't you learn to cast it on me? Every Sunday night at the church, I'd live about two and a half miles from the church I pastor. And I have nine phone calls I make every Sunday night after church. All my kids come to our church. They're all involved in our ministry there. But I call my kids and some of my grandkids every Sunday night. And uh, I was doing this uh, about three years ago. I was doing it. And one of my granddaughters is now a senior at U University of Tennessee. And this was her freshman year <clears throat> And I'd call each of the family members and say to the kids, I love them and hug them for me tonight. And on the way home one Sunday night, I get a call from her. Her name is Morgan. And she said, Papa said, I don't live at home anymore. And said, I, I don't get the phone calls. So would you mind putting me on your call list? <laughs> man alive. I'd do something to an old man. And I wonder sometimes if the Lord 
to look at us and say, when's the last time you just called me to tell me you love me? Two stories, I'm through. I was uh, traveling up in Michigan some years ago. So early in the hours of the morning and I was listening to the tape and I heard this, more, more, this man tell the story about <clears throat> Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill had written a letter to somebody and when he closed the envelope and sealed it, he realized there was something else he wanted to say but didn't want to reopen the envelope. So on the back of the envelope, he wrote these words. <clears throat> Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? That statement has driven me. Let me ask you, uh, while we, I'm trying, I've got two stories. I'm trying to make it, think which one artists tell you. I'll tell you this one. In the making of the film, Ben-Hur, <clears throat> Charlton Heston in the first movie was the star character. Some of you may be too young to even know that. And uh, there's about a 15 to 20 minute chariot race in that uh, movie. And uh, the director came to Charlton Heston and said, I don't want a stuntman on that chariot race. I want you. And Charlton Heston said, I've never driven a chariot in all my life. He said, you've got three weeks to learn. Charlton Heston goes away in three weeks. He comes back and he says, I can drive the chariot. He said, I can stay in the chariot. I'm not sure I can win the race. And the director said, you stay in the chariot. I'll see to it you win the race. And that's what God's telling you today, young people. You stay in the chariot. He'll see to it you win the race. 